Letters from a Glass House is a not-for-profit ministry of the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Venice, Florida. Support us today at UUCOV.org. As I stand here and see friends, some of you who know me very well, I can assure you I'm not in my comfort zone right now. <laughs> However, over the last several years, there have been many things going on in our country politically that are making me much more uncomfortable than spending a few minutes here this morning sharing my thoughts with you on these concerns. As Unitarians, I feel reasonably confident that we stay on top of political issues in national, state, and local politics. Our social justice team stays involved on the local level and participates effectively in a variety of actions. Although what we will be mentioning this morning will be appropriate to all, I particularly want to be sure that those of you hearing this who are in my generation understand the unique role that we can play in pushing back against the forces that would destroy our freedoms. I was born in 1935. Those of us from that era have actually lived during 10 decades of U.S. history. We were alive when democracies were being abolished in Eastern Europe by authoritarians, namely Stalin, Mussolini, and Hitler. We have experienced our country engaged in World War II and saw the price that our country paid to defend democracy. I vividly remember seeing in front windows of homes in my hometown little banners with blue or gold-colored stars. A blue star represented someone serving in the military. A gold star meant someone who had lived there had lost their life defending democracy. Our country lost over 405,000 young men and women and over 670,000 wounded in World War II. Many of those wounded were never able to resume a normal life after their tour of duty. Those individuals and their families paid the maximum price for democracy. Today we are witnessing movements pushing for changes that will weaken and destroy our democracy. My concern is that many citizens don't realize or are even concerned about this. Fascism thrives on indifference and ignorance. I will never understand how people today who have had a family member injured or lost in World War II defending democracy that can be involved in activities that weaken the same democracy. It has been said that the greatest threat to democracy in our country 
is from within, not from some outside forces. And it's happening now. As unbelievable as it may seem, 14 million non-combatants, civilians, were killed in the land between Germany and Russia between the 1930s and the 1945. Why? Simply because they were Jewish, LGBTQ, immigrants, intellectuals, or other minorities who were considered a threat to the authoritarian government of Hitler and Stalin. This was tyranny at its worst. I feel very strongly that our older generation can and should do more to help wake up people to the dangers facing democracy today and point out how similar these problems are to the problems that freedom-loving people in Eastern Europe experienced in those times. It is easy as our, at our age to just kind of wait for things to settle down and go away or withdraw from the issues and let someone else push back. It isn't likely that we are able to participate in those actions which are taken to the streets. But isn't that, but that isn't an excuse to do nothing. We can write letters. We can talk with family and friends. We can share our experiences and knowledge of having lived during those terrible times. Just because our generation has been tagged as the silent generation doesn't mean we should remain uninvolved. Timothy Snyder, a renowned historian on this era, points out that Americans have never experienced fascism up close. Most Americans neither understand what it looks like in practice or how it undermines democracy, and we lack the vocabulary to name it when it is seen. We pretend to act like things aren't as bad as it may seem by using soft definitions, such as misstatements for lies and holding facilities rather than concentration camps. We should be calling a person a bully or a tyrant when they are demonstrating all the characteristics of a dictator or allowing populism to be used as having the same meaning as patriotism. Traditional conservatives try to brush off the fascist strongman who has built a movement that attacks the establishment emphasizing the failure of democracy and civility. They claim that force can accomplish what was failed by consent. The strongman attacks feminist, LGBT communities, minorities, and immigrants, academics, socialists, and intellectuals, and claims to make the nation great again. Reluctantly, conservatives join the fascists believing that they can keep the leader in check and harness the votes of his followers to maintain their own power. Fascism is not a complicated concept. Start by Googling fascism, and you will find out that it is easy to recognize, and even more, 
you will be able to notice that many actions being done in our country today and even here in Sarasota County match up very well with the descriptors you will see of actions taken by fascists in Eastern Europe during the World War II era. Here are a few terms that describe some of the characteristics of fascism and fascists. As I read them, I'm sure you can come up with your own current examples. Hypernationalism, the strong cult leader, the idea that a strong leader will save us, the fear of white population decline, anti-feminism, anti-left, absolute power of the state, forcible oppression of opposition, using lies and hate to divide people, controls which don't allow any disagreement with the state, and dismantling the principle of the separation of church and state. Fascists have typically risen to power in unstable democracies. Our current culture wars are a tool of fascism, creating chaos and divisiveness. To some, the world is overwhelming and alienating. And as a result, all too many people feel that they have no place in it. This makes them anxious and the anxiety feeds their search for the next new thing. They run to social media or any other available <coughs> release to fill the void. It's just too complex of a world for them and people turn to what sounds like an answer when the fascist strongman promises simplification for all. He promises to restore things as they used to be. The fascist isn't interested in solutions, but rather temporary palliatives to soothe bottled up fears. I came to the place where I felt I needed to do something because of events happening right here in Sarasota County. It is the agenda to control people and decide what is best for them that I was seeing, and which really concerns me. Theo Horish states, if a sufficient mass of people is more interested in their own agendas than their democratic institutions, those institutions can soon fall. Several months ago, I was given a little book entitled On Tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century, written by Timothy Snyder. This book landed a spark that has caused me to take an interest in politics and democracy like I've never had before. The epigram, epigram for that book is a quotation of a prominent Polish philosopher and historian Leszek Kolakowski. And that epigram is this. In politics, being deceived is no excuse. 
Those seven words caused me to want to find out more about the things like nationalism, tyranny, and blatant authoritarianism that I had been seeing develop in our country, and even more, what causes people to accept those things? Maybe, in fact, they are being deceived. Being deceived is just to believe something that is not true, typically to gain an advantage. Are you noticing how certain words recently are taking on new meanings? For example, truth, freedom, indoctrination, and liberal. That's what deception is all about. That book also encouraged me to find other historians who have written about the political history of the 1920s through the 1950s in Eastern Europe. I've always felt that the best source of factual history are the writings of established historians and researchers who have been acclaimed by their peers for their unbiased and thorough analysis of events that have shaped our world and our lives. We all can have opinions, but if opinions are based on fake news, we are unfortunately relying on bad information. So if someone bases their actions on opinions seen on social media or other biased news platforms, they are unfortunately relying on bad information. In my judgment, there are far too many people today who have limited sources of factual information, and as a result, they are being deceived. You have submitted to tyranny when you renounce the difference between what you want to hear and what is really happening. To abandon facts is to abandon freedom. Fascists are experts at twisting facts to be considered, excuse me, to be consistent with their message. Fascists are, fascists use democracy up to the point at which charade elections put them in positions to become dictators. Hitler had won a national election before taking control of the German government. Timothy Snyder makes two very relevant comments about history. History does not repeat, but it does instruct. And history can familiarize and it can warn. Theodore Horish, in a recent book titled The Fascism This Time and the Global Future of Democracy, explains how fascism has come to America. Perhaps the most insidious way autocrats control their subjects is through a systematic undermining of truth, i.e. dictatorship, is called democracy, violence is masked in the name of security, lies are dressed up as facts, science is magic, confusion is clarity, and rudeness is grace. Fascists tend to be master propagandists, but they are also shameless liars. 
Historian Richard Evans suggests in his study of the Third Reich that Hitler had no program except to make Germany great again. Right-wing populists and fascists do not tend to have political programs, but rather slogans. Make America great again. America first. There's a new sheriff in town. Florida is where woke goes to die. These slogans allow the fascists to mobilize the masses and use them for their own purposes. With no clear agenda, followers become ripe for manipulation. Freedom is the death knell of fascism, for free people do not take to hierarchy. Fascism can be fought in many Excuse me. Fascism can be fought in many ways, but the most rewarding is through the full expression of everything that we love and cherish. Fascists and their supporters now revel in their depravity and gain strength through flaunting it. It is not simply liberals and minorities who oppose it, but rather other ordinary people the world over, whatever their political values. And the people who have become allies of a fascist leader, like many evangelicals, may quickly find themselves and their movements corrupted. For example, how can you be anti-abortion and pro-guns? Fascist leaders are seducers of otherwise decent people. Fascists threaten to destroy everything they touch, and this moral corruption rots everything in its path. People are used until they are no longer needed. This is precisely what people in, living in Europe and America in the Second World War found so frightening about the ascendance of Hitler. Fascism overturns the moral order, bringing corrupt men and women to power and spreading that evil among the population. They seek to set up a new order where evil has free reign and democracy is destroyed. So how do we protect democracy? Ballot boxes will save democracy, however free, fair, and accessible elections are essential. To use an example of a person who plays golf regularly to talk about voting, if a person, they don't know when they played golf the last time, that it might be the last time they played golf. Voting is like that. Most Germans in 1932 who voted for the Nazi party didn't realize that it would be the last meaningful election for a long time. Russians in 1990 didn't realize it would be their last and free election. Fascists suppress votes, gerrymander, and employ other tactics to maintain their grip on power. 
We have in our country the problem of oligarchy. Those extremely wealthy persons who stay out of the sunshine but use their money to control their mouthpieces within the government. With control of the government, the disease of a corruption allows the oligarchs to accumulate more wealth and thus more power, which is their ultimate goal. Russia today is a prime example of that pattern. The greatest crisis confronting humanity today is arguably the rapid degener degeneration of democratic institutions in every major region of the world. This is more important than climate change, inequality, and other crises to which we might respond because our very capacity to collectively respond to crises is predicted on the ability to shape social and political outcomes, which cannot be done without the aid of these democratic institutions. So if we care about climate change, inequalities, and other progressive concerns, we must focus first and foremost on saving democracy and our free and fair elections. I want to conclude by stating one of the final paragraphs in Anne Applebaum's book, Twilight of Democracy. Because all authoritarianisms divide, polarize, and separate people into warring camps, the fight against them requires new coalitions. Together we can make old and misunderstood words like liberalism mean something again. Together we can fight back against lies and liars. Together we can think what democracy should look like in a digital age. Thank you.